0: Hi, and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and in each episode, I will discuss and explore the key challenges facing family businesses today. As a family business advisor, I'm passionate about helping families to overcome the complex and unique challenges that come from being in business together. So if what I cover in the show resonates with you, I'm here to help, and I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at fanbizpodcast.com forward slash Russ. You can also sign up to the newsletter there and receive the latest blogs, podcasts and videos directly in your inbox. I would like to thank my friends at the Institute for Family Business for their continuing support for what I'm doing with this show. The IFB is a unique community of family businesses with common challenges, interests, values and goals. To find out more about their work, visit ifb.org.uk. Let's get on with the show. Hello, how are you? I hope you're doing well. Um, Just a couple of things before we get into this week's show. Firstly, I just want to say thank you again to those who are supporting the show via the Buy Me A Coffee link and leaving your reviews on iTunes. Very much appreciated. For those who may not have heard, you can now support the show. So if you are liking what I'm doing, you want to um, buy me a coffee in inverted commas, Uh, you can do so now via a link. It is barmeacoffee.com forward slash fambizpodcast. Very much appreciate those that have done so already. So thank you very much. Secondly, I just wanna make you aware of an event that is coming up in June. It is the IFB National Conference. The title of the conference is called Destination Future. And the topics that they are gonna be covering is looking at how to navigate the uncertain world we now live in to ensure the business stays strong for generations to come, how your family business can remain agile whilst carrying forward its legacy, and why sustainability as a family business is imperative. The event is on the 10th of June, it is a virtual event, and it is open to members and non-members alike. So if you're interested in going along, um, I will be there. I'm really looking forward to it. You can find out more on the IFB website, which is ifb.org.uk. I'll also put a link in this week's show notes. So you can click uh, on the link. If you head over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash boundaries, there'll be the show notes for today's show plus the link to the IFB conference Uh, hope to see you there now this week's show is a conversation with Melissa Mitchell-Blitch who is a family business advisor like myself Um, she had authored a book that looks at the importance of boundaries and I think it's a really interesting and really relevant conversation for us to be having A lot of times, the people that get in touch with me who are looking for um, help or support is because there is a blurring of the boundaries between family and business. And it can be really tough to know how and when to start putting more formal boundaries in place. And this was a really interesting conversation with Melissa. Um, I hope you enjoy it because I think we cover some really relevant aspects of day-to-day life in family business and the ways in which you as a family can help to make lives easy for yourself if you are having some of the difficulties that we talk about in today's show. Um, as ever, if anything that I do talk about resonates, please do get in touch because I am here to help. Um, I'm really grateful to those that have already been getting in touch over uh, recent weeks and months, and I'm glad to be able to help wherever I can. So please do so. And without further ado, I will pass over to me introducing this week's show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Family Business Podcast. I am delighted to be joined this week by my guest, who is Melissa Mitchell-Blitch. She is a family business consultant and author, and I will introduce uh, Melissa and let her give you uh, a bit of background about uh, who she is, what she does. But firstly, Melissa, welcome to the show.
1: Very glad to be here, Russ.
0: And as I say, it'd be great for our listeners to hear your background, your history, how you came to be doing what you're doing today, before we get into what we're going to be talking about, which is the importance of boundaries.
1: I'm glad to. Well, Russ, like many folks who serve families and business, it was not a linear path to the work that I do today. For me, I started out uh, as a CPA in estate planning. I worked with one of the big five accounting firms in the U.S. and really planned for that to be my career. I love that with estate planning, it's complex. There's a lot of creativity because there's not one right answer. And the families that we worked with had had significant financial success, most of them as a result of a family business. And that's where I got a glimpse into the lives of what it's like to work with family. And I saw the real challenges with those overlaps of lives, with the financial success, with the opportunities that it brought. And it, I just wished for our clients that there was a better way to do business as a family. But this was the late 90s, and we did not have Google. And I went looking for, I didn't quite know what, but someone who might be able to help families with the complexities of wealth and business. And I couldn't find anyone for a number of years. And eventually just felt like, all right, this is a real need. It's not going away. I'm increasingly passionate about it maybe there may or may not be anyone else who worked in this space out there, but I feel called to this work. So I left my career in finance in 2003 Focused full time on getting a master's in psychology, spent some time as a counselor, getting experience with individuals and couples and families and groups. And then in 2010, launched the practice doing the service that I hoped in the late 90s someone would do, helping families with the complexities of the intersection of family relationships, wealth, business, and all the complexity that that brings. Mm -hmm. And so that is my work today. And I'm excited to share, you know, through more, really the last two decades in general, but then specifically the last decade working with families and business, excited to share with you and your audience today some of the strategies I've found to be the most transformational, and I don't use that word lightly, (laughs) for families to be able to navigate those differences more effectively, have healthier relationships as a family, and, you know, working together in the business, navigate conflict better, Keep differences from being divisive. There are some simple, practical, not always easy to implement, but simple strategies we can share with your audience today to help them learn how to thrive as a family and a business.
0: Brilliant. And I'm really excited to get into some of those. Before we do, I think you picked up on on two really important things in in your introduction is firstly that there is help out there for families that are having challenges around the specifics of being in business with your family. And secondly, how young the sort of world of understanding of family business actually is in comparison to how long family businesses have been around. There's obviously been family businesses for many, many centuries, but it's only really over the last few decades that we've started to see this emergence of the sort of understanding of the issues and challenges that are being faced and more people who are able to help and support families with those Challenges that come inevitably will come from being in business with your family.
1: Absolutely. I was very relieved along the way to discover that there have been advisors in this space for decades and to have the opportunity to learn from them and be mentored to them, preparing to do this work myself. But I'll say it's not uncommon for me to meet families in business and for them to be like, I didn't know there was someone to help with the relational side, the complexity of doing family business with families. So many folks don't even realize still that there is specialized help for
0: them. Absolutely. So getting into some of the sort of concepts that, that you've spoken about in that introduction. The, the topic of today's show is the importance of boundaries. Before we sort of dig into some of the detail on that, I think it'd be really good to just outline an understanding of what we mean by boundaries, because th- there are various different meanings across whatever topic you might be talking about. So land boundary is this is line on a, on a map, for example. But when we're talking about family businesses, what do we mean by the term boundaries?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, Russ, I am glad that we are starting here because there are a lot of misconceptions about boundaries. I will tell you that as I've worked with folks and they've gotten to understand what boundaries are, and or not folks become fans and raving fans of boundaries <laughs> but that's not usually where people start because there are a lot of misconceptions they think about you know actually I'll start with your example we are well familiar with you know boundaries outside of us and not in our relationships you mentioned you know boundary of a land we like that we like to know where our property line ends our responsibility ends the example of the stripes of paint on the road that tell, you know, millions and millions of cars, this is your lane, stay there. It's a very simple, but highly effective boundary. We love the boundaries work for us in all areas of our life, but somehow when it gets translated to relationships there, it gets distorted where it seems uh-huh. like boundaries are about being selfish, being harsh, you know, restricting others and those sorts of, of misconceptions. And, and they are misconceptions because at the heart of boundaries, a boundary to me, the working definition that I like to share is a boundary is anything whose purpose is to let in the good and keep out the bad. uh uh-huh. And so, if you consider that in your relationships and in, in relationships, we are individuals in relationship. And we think about would we like to have things working for us that let in the good? at the individual level, and at the relationship level, and keep out the bad, I think most folks would say yes. Uh But there's that hurdle first of getting past the misconceptions that somehow boundaries and relationships are adversarial or restricted over walls. Yeah. But once folks open up, they're like, oh, yeah, I see.
0: Yeah. And I think as well, I love the example you give of the line on the road. And if we just delve into that a little bit in terms of Taking that analogy forward, prior to this is a really obvious statement, prior to there being lines on the road, there weren't lines on the road. And what was happening is that people were having accidents because they didn't know where to to sit on the road, where where to be on the road. And so those boundaries were introduced in order to help avoid those accidents. Now, it doesn't guarantee that they won't happen at all, but it does help to avoid those accidents. But using that example as well of the wall being a boundary – It wouldn't be appropriate to put a wall in the middle of a road because that makes it as dangerous as not having a line there at all. So I guess if we're using that analogy, an appropriate boundary, I guess, is what we're advocating and not saying you have to put this extreme wall up where a line will do. Is that a fair assumption?
1: Absolutely. And I love that illustration. I like to use a lot of metaphors because when we can see something in the natural, it can sometimes help us to understand those more invisible boundaries, like with with people. And so the term that came to mind when you were using that description is the minimally viable option. Yes. (laughs) So whatever, you know, whatever tool is, uh, is effective, but efficient as as well if we put you know in some places actually on in the on the interstate in the US we'll have you know concrete barriers yep. so you put more resources more time and energy and concrete and steel into those putting some you know concrete barriers between those lanes uh-huh. because the risk is greater because the speed and the volume is greater than on your typical, you know, town or country road. And so yeah. you're tapping into some wisdom of boundaries. It depends on what you're wanting to protect. How mm-hmm. valuable is that? And then what is the risk against it? Mm-hmm. And that's how we decide, you know, what boundary makes sense.
0: Perfect. And perhaps if you have some examples to share, what other sort of signs that families might spot to say okay maybe we need to start talking about the the introduction of these boundaries or those type of discussions are there a sort of a list of problems or challenges that they might be facing that are telltale signs for you
1: for me when there is unresolved conflict And when differences that truly aren't a matter of right or wrong Uh become divisive, those are always two, you know, cues to me to listen out for and to ask about challenges with with boundaries because differences are normal and so conflict is natural. Uh The result is not to eliminate conflict or or the goal is not to eliminate conflict. The goal is to learn how to it learn when there is conflict, there are conflicting values or preferences or priorities to learn how to navigate that well to reach sometimes what I describe as a mutually agreeable solution. Uh-huh. Because sometimes in relationships, in order to have a relationship and especially to have a healthy relationship, we need to prioritize we above me. Uh-huh. But it's not always and at every time, but being able to have some principles to guide us and willingness, you know, knowing that sometimes it's important to to be flexible and to compromise. But again, the term that I like more is that mutually agreeable solution Uh to know that differences are normal conflict is natural, but how can we keep differences from being divisive and actually resolve conflict and move through it? And that's one of the the things that the principles of boundaries can help families learn how to do.
0: Mm -hmm. And I guess this, again, is a very obvious statement, but the fact that there are differing roles um, and multiple roles within a family business perhaps lends itself to the fact there's likely to be more potential for conflict so not knowing whether you're speaking to each other as family members as co-owners or co-workers within within a business or any mix and match of those sort of combinations can naturally lead to an increase in tensions right
1: oh absolutely so roles rights responsibilities, and relationships, I call them the four R's, Uh are all a function of of boundaries. And within, I was going to say within family business, but actually if we start just in life, we know that we have different roles that we operate in. For example, you know, how I may interact with you as a, you know, in a friend role would be different than how I may interact with somebody let's say I'm in a courtroom. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm still me, but I behave in certain roles in a different way. And even if, you know, you and I are hanging out at, as pals at a dinner party, our interaction together will be different than if you and I are at a friend's a, a funeral, you know, uh-huh. a friend or a colleague. Yeah. And so there are natural things in everyone's life, different roles, different activities where we modify our behavior and how we interpret the behavior of other people. So with family businesses, you know, there's an additional way they're doing business as a family that they have, they have that role together, but not everyone has, but because it's the same person, (laughs) it can be hard. And and there's such a history and maybe such a comfort there in the relationship, it can be hard to remember, oh, I am in work mode. So how I want to interact with my Aunt Sally, who's my mm-hmm. boss Sally, I need to be sure that I stay in, you know, employee, you know, role. I share in, in the book, an example of a father and the son that working together, of course, in a family business. And the father corrected the son in front of some of the, the co-workers, the employees. Right. He never would have done that with another manager uh-huh. but he did that with his son just because you know my guess you know just kind of I mean I'm, I'm his dad I can make that correction and while the son was very eager to understand what he had done wrong you know and willing to take personal responsibility for that it really hurt him that his his boss his father had done this in, in front of others treated him differently yeah like poorly, less uh-huh. well <laughs> in front of others, and was really heard about it, not because of the correction, but because of how it was handled. It was handled differently than he, than the father would have treated any other manager in, yes. in the company. We can forget. It, it makes it harder, you know, when we work with family to remember what role we are and that there are different, you know, ways of behaving and treating each other and interpreting the behaviors of others based upon the, the role that you're in. There's black and white. And of course a lot of gray and in a family business there's a whole lot of gray
0: yeah absolutely and picking up on that um, example where in your work with families where do you start in helping them to overcome it because obviously that's created a a tension that that's made the son feel a certain way the father at the time may not actually have have known that he was going to make his son feel that way it was just something that came naturally to him that he felt it was okay to to say that in front of the management team but how, how do you then start to tackle that because it could be very easy to go to dad and go well you know you upset him and dad could go ah, well and then kind of forget about it and move on how, how do you kind of get the emphasis behind the need for creating the, uh, the sort of minimum viable boundary to to help move things forward
1: well I'll say it depends (laughs) (laughs) and it depends, you know, on who my relationship is with is with who my, you know, who is, is my client most often I work with the, with the family unit uh-huh. with a family business. And so I'm working with multiple generations, but sometimes I do you know, next gen coaching, even senior gen coaching. So it depends on who I'm working with. And obviously the best case scenario, the easiest, you know, is when the whole, when the whole family has learned, has developed the common language that come with the principles of bound, Because then they have that shared objective language that they can use to understand what's going on between them and to communicate that between them. In this example with, with the son, what I did with one of the things that I did with him was to help him prepare to give the feedback to his his father. Because he's like, you know, surely my dad's going to recognize, you know, that he he, he was out of line in what he did. And he gave the dad a couple of days to come back and, and apologize. Uh-huh. But while he was waiting and when that didn't happen, it just the anger started to build in him because he was so he was so hurt that it happened and so hurt that his father didn't even realize in hindsight, oh, my goodness. And so I, I shared with him a tool of making this boundary visible. know, uh-huh. he would assume and rightly so that his father would recognize the need to correct anyone at the manager level in private. But somehow, you know, that boundary gotten fuzzy. Maybe we can get uh-huh. the data benefit of a doubt. And so one of the principles of boundaries is making those boundaries visible, not assuming that others will know, you know, how we want to be treated. And so i worked work with him to make that boundary visible, to let the father know how it had impacted him and what he wanted the father to do differently, not just apologize, but you know, how to give him correction and one of the ways that sometimes conversations break down and conflict resolution breaks down is that asking for what you want. Sometimes we assume if I tell you what, you know, my interpretation of what happened and how it, you know, impacted me, sometimes we leave it there and assume you're going to know what I want you to do and you're going to agree to do it (laughs) and you're going to do it. Yeah. And so part of the process working with, with Paul who's the name I use in the book not the real name is to share his desire to be explicit of here's what I want to here's what I appreciate if you did and to get feedback from his father to say yes no or maybe or Uh you know but to have that explicit conversation about how they were going to repair this boundary violation and what boundary they were going to mutually agree to for themselves going forward.
0: Yeah. And again, you, utilizing that example, and just kind of running through how the conversation may have gone with the father. If, if the son goes in and goes, sorry, dad, you can't do that. And then leaves it there. What the dad could interpret from that is you can't give me feedback on how my performance is. That's not, that, that's something that I'm not accepting, or you can't do it in that forum okay then which forum can i do it It, there's those gray areas again whereas i think what you're saying is dad i didn't appreciate you doing that in front of the management team or or my co-workers i would much prefer if we were able to have those conversations in private in this kind of format in a work environment etc etc is is that a um, fair assumption on what the steps that could be taken to help resolve that
1: It is, and hopefully it would go well like that. But to be honest, it it doesn't always (laughs) go that way. (laughs) I zoomed in on the word can't. You know, really, in in coaching Paul, I wouldn't, you know, if he said, I want to go to my dad and say, you can't treat me that way, I would call to his attention that obviously he can because he did. They said that word can't, we don't, we can't, (laughs) genuinely, we're not able to set boundaries for other people. Uh We can't control their behavior. The father could continue to treat Paul that way, anyone else that way, and even worse because he is responsible for his own behavior. But what we want to do, again, for the sake of the relationship, is to ask for Uh what we want, to give them a chance to say yes, no, or maybe this instead, and then to remember, because we we teach people how to treat us. <laughs> and so we can ask for what we want and we get to choose for what we what we put up with. So if Paul had asked his father to treat him a different way and the father said, you work in this family business, you know, you're going to have to take it or leave it. You know, um, Paul may decide to take it or leave it. That would be yeah. his his choice. Mm-hmm. But that recognition of I my boundaries are for me. Or or, or I can only set my boundaries and we can work together as in a relationship to, to agree to and develop the boundaries between us, but I can't set boundaries for you, I can't determine control your behavior I can ask you behave a certain way but you have the responsibility and the choice to choose how you behave and then I choose there are natural consequences to that I choose then how I respond
0: mm. and again picking up on the language point is such a, a, an important point is that the language that we use can either inflame or diffuse a situation and going in with a perhaps a more aggressive approach runs the risk. I mean, every family is different, but it runs a risk that that doesn't help resolve the situation. In fact, it inflames it more. And again, one of the the things that you spoke about in, in the role of boundaries is how to keep differences from being divisive and that example is a very specific example of an you know Paul feeling like he he shouldn't be spoken to like that way in that environment but there will be other more nuanced differences that if left unchecked can lead to divisive opinions much further down the line again are there examples where the use of boundaries helps to position those differences in a different way or helps families to address those? without it getting to the point where there's a, the big bus stop at the end of it?
1: Hmm. Well, it's interesting that one of the principles of boundaries that people get the most excited about is responsibility. Uh-huh. <laughs> because it has to do with recognizing what we are responsible for. You know, in, and oftentimes what families and businesses struggle with is – being honest about their their boundaries, being honest with their yes and their no, because they don't wanna hurt the feelings of others. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to not wanna hurt the feelings of others. However, just in the natural, you know, comings and goings of life we will all be hurt. And sometimes hurt, such as getting disappointing, you know, performance feedback, getting a no, you're not ready yet, that hurt can be the impetus that leads us to, you know, grow and learn so that that no, not yet can turn to to a yes. So hurt is a natural part of life. It can be a helpful part of life. It can be a necessary part of growth. And so recognizing that I am responsible for me, my thoughts, my feelings and behaviors. I'm responsible to our relationships you know, to hopefully treat you with respect in the way that I would want you to be, I would want you to treat me and to honor the fact that you have a right to be a separate individual with your own priorities and values and difference, uh, preferences. To me, if we can recognize I'm responsible for me, I'm responsible to our relationship, but I'm not responsible for the thoughts, feelings and behaviors of others, it can be really empowering. Not in a selfish way but a clarity.
0: Yeah. Point. Yeah. Because again, using an example of that, Paul may be feeling a certain way about what's happened with his father. And then he might start having a conversation in his head where he goes, "Well, this is what I'm going to say." But then Dad would say that, and then it turn into this. And then to, actually, I'm not going to bother saying anything right now because I know what's going to happen. I know what the outcome is going to be, and I'm not up for a fight. I'm not. I'm not. I haven't got the strength to have that argument at the moment. But but all you know up until that point is what it is that you want to say. Beyond that, it's beyond your control, and that responsibility of understanding that you're only responsible for how you bring that to the conversation rather than the reaction and everything else. I think it's such a valuable point.
1: If we, you know, the best predictor of the future is the past. Uh And so you can understand, we can understand how Paul may have that that thought and that hesitancy and just say, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to let it go. And we do, we pick our battles, that's, that's a wise thing to do. However, What I often see with families is, is how that can lead downhill. We're, you know, we're not, we don't make a boundary visible. We don't, you know, let someone know how something impacted us. We don't ask for what we want. And those things, those those little choices just add up over time. And our relationship ends up drifting to a place of lower health, Mm -hmm. (laughs) lower enjoyment than it could be probably if we started to have an open, honest conversation about what's going on between us and what's working and what's not. And, and absolutely Paul could, he could hit it out of the park and be very, you know, speak the truth in love with his father and give him that feedback and ask what, ask for what he wants and he could nail it. And the father could still say, you know, give a a response that that Paul doesn't want. Just because we don't get the outcome we want doesn't mean that we made the wrong choice. And just because we don't get the short-term immediate outcome that we want doesn't mean if we keep doing the same sorts of things that something may not change over time or, you know, that even in that situation that the dad may come back the day later and say, you know what, I've thought about what you said. And now. So doing the right thing is always the right thing.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and doing it both from the motive and the delivery. So often when someone hurts us, we can we can hurt be hurtful in our words and our tone back to them and essentially do to them what we're complaining to them about doing to us. <laughs> and so it was helpful for Paul and I to have the conversation and you know some time to prepare him for the conversation and to let that intensity start to come down some Mm -hmm. so that he could then go back to his father exercising the three f's fair firm and friendly Mm -hmm. as opposed to firm and angry. (laughs) (laughs) And oftentimes, so fear firm and friendly is another principle of boundaries that the folks really take to the alliteration helps. But each of us, you know, has a natural tendency to either do friendly well or firm well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: they're all important. And each, you know, in situations, one may be more important than the other, but Paul got to a place where he could be Fair, you know, give his father objective feedback to let him know what happened and ask for what he wanted. He could be firm, you know, I really call his dad up. We can call people out or we can call people up. Dad, I know that you would not have treated anyone else, you know, uh-huh. this way. Call him up to treat his son, you know, in that higher standard and then you know friendly as well again uh, because he was not reacting from a place of hurt he had prepared his words he had prepared uh-huh. his heart he had prepared his motive to go in there wanting to seek a mutually agreeable solution with his his father
0: and a lot of the time when i'm dealing with families and similar situations it can be the first time that somebody in the let's call them the next generation that the uh, So the son in this example, or the children, it's the first time they've really stood up to their parents, their father in that scenario. And having that framework and the principles in place is, I mean, it doesn't do the job for you, but it helps you with those guide rails to say, if I follow these steps, I know why I'm doing it, I understand why I'm doing it, I'm doing it in a way that I think is fair, that is firm, but is friendly, then it, it I guess it's a little boost up towards that big moment of actually standing up to somebody who you've not, not done that to perhaps before.
1: One of the things that I love about the principles of boundaries is they are principles, they're guiding, they mm-hmm. guide, like you're saying there, and guard, guide and guard. <laughs> they give folks a mindset, a framework to think about the decisions, the opportunities, the responsibilities, and and the rights that they have to help them, you know, decide how they're going to respond. And so I love that the principles of boundaries are not a one-size-fits-all, you know, formulaic <laughs> approach because it really can then equip families because they're going to, you know, there's some challenges that we can absolutely anticipate, okay. but then, you know, there will be nuances or, you know, variables that, that are unique. And so I love that the principles give families guidance. Yeah. To think through, weigh the options, make the decisions for themselves and then take responsibility for what they do.
0: Yeah. Because you can imagine it as a script, couldn't you? As an alternative to that, isn't it? A script and you've got dear, and then a gap for the name of the person that you're talking to. And then these are the words and this is how I feel. And the, the challenge with that, and I'm not advocating that approach in any way, shape or form. But if it was a script, if anything deviates from that at all in that actual conversation, then you're completely unprepared because all you've done is prepare this script and this one linear, this is how you do it approach. So I think the the guidelines approach and the principles approach to it means that it is open to interpretation and nuance and uh, applying it to your own situation rather than a rather extreme example of here's a script of how to, how to challenge your father because I can't imagine that going well in any situation.
1: <laughs> well, and it, it actually, it may even go well on the outside, mm. but not on the inside. Yeah. And so while I am a huge fan of communication skills, because if we can't communicate well, we, you know, we can't have healthier relationships, I don't jump into You know, like I statements or even active listening oftentimes with families, because that may look like you're, you know, from the outside, you're quote unquote doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. But on the inside, I mean, I can use I statements and on the inside of me, I can be just as judgmental and harsh against you as ever. But just yeah. when I start talking to you about it, put an I statement on it. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, I can appear to be actively listening. And, and of course, you know, genuine actively listening is, is an action, not just an appearance. Uh-huh. But I can appear to be actively listening and on the inside of me. I'm just fuming and preparing the next thing that I'm going to say. So I actually enjoy being a little bit of a contrarian to wait, Uh communication skills until folks have an understanding of, of boundaries for that purpose, because when we understand the principles of boundaries and we put them to work for us, things like using I statements, speaking for myself, I can only speak for myself, things like actively listening, genuinely wanting to understand your perspective because you have a right to it, even if it's different than mine, even if it's contrary to mine and let's listen together and work together for that mutually agreeable solution Good communication practices flow more naturally once we have healthy boundary principles working for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agree. And we've covered um a few of the principles of, of boundaries. Are, are there others that kind of leap out at you in terms of the commonality of how, how they can be used for the families that you work with?
1: Well, just in thinking through the answer. Uh, so we have talked about consequences. We've talked about good in, bad out, fair, firm, and friendly, hurt versus harm, responsibility. Uh-huh. We've talked about making boundaries visible just to highlight how in our natural conversation, we've illustrated at least those fair, firm, and friendly principles of boundaries. There's actually a fourth F, flexible. Uh-huh. Flexibility is an important aspect of boundaries in the book. And when I work with clients, I actually separate them (laughs) because it's easier to learn how to be flexible when we have clarity as to what the boundaries are, Uh you know, because... Consistency is also important and differentiating between a flex and an inconsistency is really important. So it's important to be flexible. And I have a collection of rubber bands of different colors and widths and sizes that I love to use. Again, I love how the physical can teach us lessons with folks and in, I'll in stretch, you know, rubber band. To illustrate, you know, it's, it's meant to have that as a part of its function where, you know, healthy boundaries do flex. They're not rigid because if it was rigid, it might be, it might break or things against, you know, it, it might break. But like a rubber band, it's meant to flex, but then come back to its natural dimensions if we stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch our rubber band or our boundaries eventually they will lose their elasticity their ability to come back and protect you know keep let in the good and keep out the bad they'll lose their ability to function to in the way that they're meant to to function so flexibility is an exception not the rule. There's really an art to learning how to do it well, and to communicate that this is a flex, so it's differentiated from inconsistency because inconsistency can be very confusing.
0: Mm. Yeah, very much so. And I think again, really, very key point on the flexibility side is if you just keep stretching it, it can lose its elasticity or snap, and that doesn't um, do anybody um, any good on on that side of it. One of the Again, more common areas in family business where there is the potential for tension or or challenge is when it comes to working with siblings. And again, let's take a typical example of eldest child being the one that takes on the senior role in the business when the senior generation move on and the younger generation perhaps feeling they're more appropriately skilled or more uh, appropriate for that job than their older sibling. How can boundaries be used in those scenarios to help those siblings deal with that challenge?
1: i us say there's a couple different parts to that, you know, and, and one part is for the family business to decide, you know, how it's gonna promote. Is it, you know, is it going to promote based on birth order, you know, or is it going to promote based upon merit? And it can be helpful to make that boundary visible if it's going to be promoting based upon merit. So that is, you know, here's the expectations for, you know, advancement and progression and promotion. It's good to make those boundaries, those expectations visible so everyone knows it. And it can be easier to make those decisions when they're objective, when there aren't names attached to the decisions. So that's a proactive you know, choice that families and business can, can make. But then, you know, between it, it gets into that, the differences. So growing up, those siblings, it may be, you know, the older sibling got more rights and more privileges and more opportunities, you know, like at any given point in time because of the age and the maturity. However, in the business role, you know, business typically promotes not based upon, you know, calendar age, uh-huh. <laughs> but based upon skill. And so having, again, that mindset that the business, Even the family business has a right and maybe even a responsibility to promote based upon ability and skill. Uh And so while it may hurt to not be chosen, it may be disappointing to be passed over, to be told no or not yet, To know, again, for the viability of the business, even the family business, there's a right and even a responsibility for the business can stay in business and benefit the family Uh to operate as as a business and not, again, those dynamics that they may may be accustomed to when they're interacting with each other as a family.
0: Uh And in an ideal world, and I know we don't live in an ideal world, but in an ideal world, families and family businesses would be undertaking these types of exercises before the tensions or challenges come up now we know from our own experiences that that isn't always the case it does happen but it's not always the case is there a a trigger point in your mind where you feel actually now's the time for it not to go beyond this stage because it could lead to a much more divisive and, and conflict-ridden relationship. And again, I know it's nuanced, and I know each, each family is different, but are there triggers that can be spotted that is just a way of raising it at, uh, say, a family meeting or uh, a board meeting to say, actually, I think we need to start looking at this side of things?
1: I would say the best time is now.
0: Yeah, agreed. (laughs) Because we don't
1: live in an ideal world. If we did, you know, being proactive to put in those protective boundaries to make them visible, obviously, you know, would be best practice. However, you know, life is lived forward and understood backwards. And so the best time to start doing things that could help us to thrive as a family and a business is, is right now. And I'll often hear families say, you know, we're a family. We can work through anything you know they'll resist the Uh the work putting the energy the time the money into doing the work in advance because they think we'll figure it out when we get there it'll be okay you know even if they don't think it's just going to be you know all glorious and we'll we'll immediately agree they believe they'll be able to work through it and maybe they can but my you know feedback to them is to remind them of the purpose of boundaries is to let in the good and keep out the bad protects things of value So you believe you can work through anything because you value family relationships, because you value family relationships. It makes sense to put safeguards in there to protect them. Uh Why go through the wear and tear again, you know, on them that you don't have to. And so invest time, energy, money, thought decision-making into agreements in advance so that you're protecting Uh Those family relationships that you love and preventing some of the wear and tear that you might experience anyway, and that you very well may be able to work through. However, might it be nice to minimize that wear and tear on the family by just making some objective decisions beforehand? There will be, there can be, you know, again, situational variables that make sense to, to consider being flexible. Yes. But again, it's easier to make decisions when names are not attached to it. So yes. having some broad, even some broad guidelines can be so helpful, both for the decision makers, uh-huh. quote unquote, and the folks who are going to be, you know, quote unquote, the subject of, of those decisions. So mm-hmm. everyone knows, you know, what is, is expected.
0: Yeah, and I think that, again, goes back to the analogy we used right at the beginning about the lines on the road as a starting point and then as the freeway grows and you need the, the higher levels of um, protection and more concrete and steel, you can adapt that as you as you go on. Just, just one more question, and play devil's advocate slightly here, is what do you – or do you come across resistance from people who will say – Boundaries are just going to put a break on our ability as a family to deliver what we want to deliver. The fact we love being in business with our family is that we don't have these rules and guidelines and things around us because it, it means we can make, I don't know, quicker decisions or, or better decisions as a result. There can often be, in my experience, a resistance to some more formalized stuff because it is seen as a break on behavior rather than as an enabler. Do, do you come across that?
1: I do. And and it taps into actually what we were just talking about might it make sense to have some guidelines to protect those relationships and allow you to keep cruising, you know, when these, when these, when this next decision comes up, it could also be a factor of what we talked about early in the show of some misconceptions about what boundaries are, Mm. they're not aggressive, they're not about putting restrictions on people, they're about letting in the good and keeping out the bad. So oftentimes it's, it's any number of things that leads to that sort of of mindset, but people have a right. They have a right to say, no, I don't want to be more intentional about the boundaries that we have. We all have boundaries. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the other side of the coin is we may not be, you know, a lot of us don't go through our day with that word in our mind or these, you know, got principles guiding us through the day, but we have boundaries. Uh-huh. <laughs> And so we have a right to be unintentional about them. And we will experience natural consequences of those. Some we may like, some we may not like. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's, again, it goes back to the responsibility and honoring. I I honor and accept your right to say, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. That's okay. That's your right. (laughs) yeah but there will be you know there are consequences to every choice that we we make and i know you and i both value you know we want family families and business to thrive as a family and a business and we value proactivity but we also respect the families to have a right to say we want this we don't want that and Mm -hmm. and make their make their choices
0: yeah fantastic brilliant i have loved this uh, conversation i think it's a fascinating topic and For the benefit of our audience, where can people find out more about you, about the book, and uh, how can they get in touch?
1: Absolutely. So my website is melissa.mitchellblitch.com. The name of the book is In the Company of Family, How to Thrive When Business is Personal, and it's available worldwide through amazon.com.
0: Fantastic. And we will provide links in the show notes. So if people are listening and have access to the show notes, you can just click on the links there and find those. Melissa, thank you very much for your time, your insights and and sharing your experiences. As I say, great uh, conversation and I'm sure will be hugely valuable to our audience. So thank you.
1: Russ, I have appreciated the opportunity to get the word out about these practical principles of boundaries and the difference that they can make for families and business. So thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you found the show helpful, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and remember to subscribe to our newsletter. If what I've covered in the show resonates with what you are facing in your own family business, I can help. I provide consultancy support to family businesses of all sizes. So please get in touch if you'd like to know more. Head over to fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ. Until next time, take care.